We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 62 of the pod joined by Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. We are hitting the downturn here in the sporting cycle. Only a couple weeks and then we will uh, dive right into summer camps with football coming at us. But uh, we'll tide you over here with a little bit of sporting news before we get to it. If you missed the pod last week, it was fantastic stuff. We had NBC Sports Chicago's Mark Shinowski on talking NBA draft. A little of that content dated now, but we do talk about the future of the Bulls and some other teams in the league, not just the NBA draft. So if you haven't done it yet, go check that out. Episode 61 with Mark Shinowski. It is fantastic stuff. And without further ado, I bring on uh, the great Garfield himself. Matthew oh, that's Rooney. very, How are you doing, pal? It's, very nice. it's ironic that you bring that up because a couple people saw my putter Lasagna? cover this weekend with, with Garfield on it. <laughs> And people uh-huh. like, How, why the hell do you just like Garfield or something? I was like, no, it's a, it's no, a just really lazy. In high school. It, it, it was a nickname of like, you know, through high school and a little bit in college. And Brian, you know, Brian's kind of like, nobody called that in college. It was like, well, it kind of started in high school. And then Joe just kind of kept calling me that. I carried um, it over. I might've been the only one. In college. You might've been the only, you, 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 you had the rare Sigma Chi member. Keep that up. But for the most part, that was, <laughs> that was your doing. And it was a good nickname. But like I said, with Mark. I got him to work that that afternoon after we talked mm-hmm. to him, kind of said thanks. And he was quick, like, man, you know, the amount you can talk just kind of off, you know, basically you brought up Harry oh, Giles and he goes off for you. Know, fountain of knowledge. And then he's like, yeah, you know, well, it's just kind of my passion. You know, I love basketball. You know, I watched like 200 plus college basketball games last year. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, makes a lot uh, of sense if, but. if there's anyone speaking from a point of knowledge it's Mark Schnowski and uh, you get a lot of analysis from people who uh, maybe aren't as in tune this is not the case with Mark like no. you said 200 plus games last year and Mark uh, does his he's got his he's got his ear to the ground with pretty much everything happening around the league so definitely one you want to check out but as of today Matt we still do have some things to talk about we We're do lead things off with uh, a bit of a, a, a postscript on the NBA draft and uh, who we thought the big winners and losers were, what you took away from uh, from the Bulls draft, and uh, how things looked going forward. So without further ado, Matt, uh, what did you make of the Bulls draft? Did you like the pick of uh, Carter Jr. at uh, at the seventh spot? I did. Uh, it's a... Everyone's calling it the safe pick, but it's, it's not. It, it's, it's not the usual Bulls safe pick, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, I still think Wendell Carter has a higher ceiling than most of those quote-unquote safe picks they've made in the past. But I mean, the, the guys they wanted were there. Uh, I, I was a little bit disappointed at the, seeing the price that Dallas had to pay just to trade up for Doncic. I, I I know it would have been more expensive for the Bulls to do that from seven. But that didn't mm-hmm. seem like all that steep of a price, so I, I w- would have loved to see, you know, if the Bulls did actually explore that route. But then again, Trey Young would have still had to be there at seven for that to happen. So who knows if, if that would have been uh, doable for them? But uh, I, I, I'm fine with the picks. I, if they deem Michael Porter Jr. not healthy enough to go there, which they're clearly not the only ones who did, as he dropped all the way to 14, um, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. I, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a good pick. I don't think he's going to be. A superstar in the league, but I think he can be, you know, one of those just outside kind of that next tier players. And if you're going to win a title, if you're going to build a team, you have to have, you know, one or two of those guys on your team. And hopefully they have, you know, one superstar in Lowry Markinen and then kind of one next year guy in Wendell Carter in their in their front court for the next, you know, however many years. 
Yeah, I think the additions of, of Wendell Carter and uh, even Chandler Hutchison do fit what Fred Hoiberg's trying to do and the type of basketball yeah. that he likes to put out there on the court. Uh, just from an on-the-surface knee-jerk takeaway, as you said, maybe not a world-beater, maybe not a franchise-type player, but a piece uh, that that helps you move forward. Mm-hmm. But the Bulls not only need those pieces, they still need that franchise guy. For as high as everyone is on Laurie, and I'm I'm just as high on him as anyone else, he surprised me last year because didn't know much of him coming out last year, and he, he opened some eyes with what he did in his rookie season. But mm-hmm. I don't know if the ceiling's there for that to be the franchise player, take you to an Eastern Conference Finals, take you to an NBA Finals-type player. I still think you need one of the big six, seven players, and that only happens through free agency. Obviously, that's a whole other conversation, but the pieces are being put in place to maybe make Chicago a little bit more of a destination where it's not as big of a project. I'm not talking about LeBron, but when a guy of that ilk does come out into free agency and has an opportunity to go somewhere, Chicago's on that short list at least. Oh, I I do agree with you there, and I think – well – I think Laurie has that superstar potential. I guess I don't. Th- I'm more with you in the fact that I think he could be part of you know a quote unquote big three. Mm-hmm. But I think he's got to be more of like the Robin type to someone else's Batman. I don't. I'm not sure he's ever going to be the you know the best player. Uh, um, you know, a, a big three that's going to win an NBA title. I, I I know the the comparison is Dirk, and if he ever gets there, that's great. But even Dirk, I mean that that year that he kind of took over the NBA Finals, he had so much talent and so much help around him. It wasn't really just him kind of carrying as, as well as he played and as much as he was the best player on that team. He wasn't really doing it all by himself, if that makes sense. So I, I think Lowry can be a very, very good NBA, NBA player, a quote-unquote superstar, sure, but not you know one of those elite, you know, like you said, top five or six type NBA players that are going to be the best player on a team that wins the title. Yeah, and um, if nothing else, it, uh, it opens some eyes that Chicago is moving in the right direction. But the league has seemed to be moving in a certain direction, at least from the draft standpoint this year. It was the year of the big. The Bulls go big. Uh, first two overall picks are bigs. It, do you think that this is a, a move back towards a, a little bit of a, a scheme change in the league? Do you see a trend there, Matt? Or do you think that this is just these were the best available players this year, all just happened to be 6'11 and taller. I don't want to take the the cop-out answer here, but I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. I think you kind of touched on it. I think when we were talking to Mark, you know, we were mm-hmm. talking about how all the, the top prospects were bigs this year, and you kind of said it's just kind of the league balancing itself back out. You know, It went really small and fast for a little while, and now it's kind of making that natural you know, regression, not regression, but, you know, balance back to the mean there, I guess. But it's mm-hmm. also, if you look at these bigs, the, the one thing they have in common, I mean, and except DeAndre Ayton, they, they can all step back and they can hit a jumper in your face. You're not seeing, like, true big bigs get number one. You're not seeing, like, Shaq going number one or guys like that who are true post players. You're seeing these guys like Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, he's a 6'10 center slash power forward, but he shot 41% for three last year. Marvin Bagley can step out and hit, you know, 15, 20-footers, hit, hit, hit the three every once in a while here. Ayton even has somewhat of a jumper. He's not going to be a three-point shooting guy, but he can still kind of play away from the basket a little bit. So you're seeing these... Bigger guys, sure, but they're still kind of going with that new NBA formula of being able to stretch the floor and hit those jumpers and not just be, you know, locked into five feet outside the basket. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Matt. It's not necessarily picking up your traditional big, throw an elbow into your chest, turn around, and 
hit a hit a little fade or a little little hook shot. It, it, it is the ability to stretch the court, and that's what Sacramento apparently really loved about Marvin Bagley the third with the second overall. Is that not only does he possess this ability to be down low and and create space down there because you have to respect him offensively your wings can't just collapse on them or or they will collapse on them and then you play inside out ball either way that versatility in the post allows you to play the game that you want to play and like you said he can step out 20 feet from the basket knock down a jumper that's why they were really high on Bagley and aside from Aiton that is what it requires to be a big in the league this uh you know in this era and even Aiton has a little bit of offensive ability away from the hoop and says that he thinks he can you know even even further develop that skill as he comes into the league so it'll be fun to watch these bigs uh, all just try and mimic the game of Kevin Durant in one way or the other. And maybe not that far away from the hoop, but when you're talking 6'10", 6'11", that's obviously the uh, the mold right now is the Kevin Durant, Kristaps Porzingis, unicorn-type big. Yeah, and we'll see, like you said, if any of those guys can develop into that. Like one guy who said he, he thinks he can, Joe, was, uh, was Michael Porter Jr., Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you make of him falling all the way out to Denver? I mean, obviously you might have a little bit more insight, you know, being around a team, uh, what, what those guys well, maybe saw in medicals and stuff, but clearly there's more than meets the eye than kind of what he was telling people or that, tell, let, letting it known about his back. Yeah. That was going to kind of be my point is that we don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Even some of these teams probably didn't know what the exact situation was, but obviously whoever dug into the medicals, whoever's job it was to assess the longevity of the back and hip of Michael Porter Jr., all of these medical staffs saw a red flag. So I would not be the one to question all of these people's work because it is their work. Obviously, they saw something that raised a little bit of worry and enough worry to pass on what could be a serious talent and a serious steal for as far as he fell. Did I want to see the Bulls take a flyer there just because of where they're at as a franchise? Absolutely because you might have really been able to maximize at the seventh spot there. But the fact that he wasn't picked for until, what, was it 14? 14, yeah, last pick in the lottery. That he wasn't picked for another seven picks made me feel better about the Bulls passing on him. It made me feel that, okay, everyone's on the same page here. It's not just the Bulls being scared to take a flyer on a guy. And there were talks about him here in Sacramento for – maybe 10, 15 minutes one day, people were, oh, they might, they're looking at Michael Porter. They're taking a long look at the medicals. He might be on their shortlist. But I think that everyone picks one through 13, saw something. And at 14 uh, to Denver, I think they were at the, in that perfect range of, well, we might be getting a top three pick here, all things considered. Yeah, that's a pick that Denver has the flexibility to go out and make because no one can really fault them for taking that risk on Michael Porter. There there wasn't any other guy sitting there who was like, oh, yeah, that's a home run pick at number 14. I think that was the the obvious choice. I was actually hoping that he'd slide one more pick because behind them was Washington, and mm-hmm. Washington was apparently looking to unload the uh, the, the last year of uh, Marinchen Gortat's contract. I think uh, I, I was hearing, which is like twelve and a half some million, which the Bulls can clearly afford. And then hoping mm-hmm. that they can maybe say like, "Hey, we'll, we'll swap first. We'll take him on, and we'll give you you know something else here, a protected yeah, pick next not- year, and maybe grab Michael Porter at fifteen. So I think I'm if you would have gotten like, one, but he obviously didn't drop to fifteen. But I'd have been cool if they would have t- done that and taken that risk, that flyer on him at fifteen. Seven was, like you said, with, with all the people worried about him. With back injuries yeah. are weird, man, especially at that young of an age. Eight. I'm just glad yeah. he didn't go at eight. That was Fair enough, issue. yeah. I, I'm glad that everybody else kind of saw him, too, and it wasn't the Bulls just being, like, you know, a little bit paranoid here. Everybody 
did not want to really touch him at, at take a risk in in the lottery except yeah. for the last one. But things shook down. Uh, things shook down pretty pretty much as they were expected to with eight net one Bagley at two, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that relationship because those are two guys that even played together in high school. They they played a, a year together in Arizona. And uh, God forbid having to play against those guys. But there seems to be a little bit of a competitive rivalry there. And even leading up to it, Bagley was saying, I believe I'm the first overall pick. I believe I'm the best player in this draft. Even once it came out that, you know, Phoenix was going with Aiton. And it definitely seems like there's a little bit of competitiveness between those two that maybe goes beyond uh, uh, whatever the normal one-on-one night-to-night rivalries are in the league. I think these are two guys who we're going to see butt heads throughout their careers. And uh, a little interesting note here, Marvin Bagley III did drop his, uh, his debut EP. He raps, he's a poet, he's a, he's a really nuanced 19-year-old. And he, this isn't just did, like... Does uh, every, it seems like what, Lonzo ha- had this drop and rap song? So every number Lonzo two overall trash. pick in the draft now just becomes be a rapper as well? That, that's a thing? something about it. Lonzo's music is got like Marvin Bagley actually sounds like if you didn't know it was him, it sounds like an actual MC. It, it's a little five song project, but I'll certainly uh, have to take your word for it. At the end of uh, it's called Don't Blink. You can check it on SoundCloud. I'm doing free promo now. Did he steal um, that from at Kenny the, Chesney? At the end of I don't think so. At the end of the the fifth and final track, uh, or at the beginning of the fifth and final track, the intro is with the first overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft. The Portland Trailblazers select Greg Oden, and then it goes into the song. The outro is with the second overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft, uh, the Seattle Supersonics select Kevin Durant. So a little shot at Aiton, a little shot at all the haters who, who want to take him at number two. So uh, he's sending a little message there through his music. That also makes me realize that I want the Seattle Supersonics back. We need right? to get them back. They had some well, fantastic uniforms. I, they had a nice arena. They had nice logos, colors, that, fans, uh, everything. We need to get the, the Seattle's one of the is like kind of the next team up there to get a team if if we do expand or move somebody, right? And and it has been for about the last decade, two decades here. But, Since they uh, left, there were some headlines coming out this week that Dwayne Wade and uh, a group of very wealthy people are owner are uh, eyeing an ownership stake to move something to Seattle. So, All in on that again. Another another group of millionaires and billionaires going to try and. Uh, Give Seattle their due because a great sports town and apparently a great basketball town. I'm a little young to remember, um, you know, the glory years. I guess that the, the Sean Kemp years. You just remember them beating the. You yeah, just remember the Bulls, Bulls beating, beating them. Yeah. That that's all I remember really of the Seattle SuperSonics. But uh, would be great to see another team back there because there are some franchises. Not to point fingers at any cities that uh, that don't really support their team the way they should. And I you know, can point uh, fingers. It's okay. I, well, I, I know don't Sacramento, think that- Sacramento was on that short list a few years back when they were talking about moving them, moving a team back to Seattle. And my biggest takeaway in my first few months here in Sacramento is just how much the Kings do mean to this place. So the support is here regardless of how many games they're winning. Are they a bottom feeder right now in the league? Absolutely. But this fan base also deserves a team. I think there are certain fan bases that might uh, take their teams for granted that uh, – would be a more likely suitor to lose a team for Seattle to gain one because I don't think the NBA needs any sort of expansion. I think they need less teams is what they need. Yeah, I think to keep the competitive balance, there's no point in expanding. Otherwise, you're just going to get more and more teams trying to tank, and you'll have more teams that get to watch LeBron play. You'll have literally half the league trying to tank at the same time, and it just isn't 
going to work. Uh, you, you're looking for that one-two. I kind of that, that's a, that's your storyline out of the draft for me. I'm looking at. I think Doncic and Trey Young now will be forever linked the rest of their careers for that trade. Mm-hmm. I think Dallas got got the steal of the draft. I think in, in getting Doncic, they now have him and Dennis Smith Jr. in, in their backcourt, and I think that's a, a really good young one-two. You know, punch as a guard combo. They they just had to give up the protected first round pick. I'm not sure of the protections on it, but I would be willing to bet that they're not giving up a top five pick within the next couple of years here. So I think they're going to be better than that. So sure, they'll probably lose their first round pick next year. But like we always say in the NBA draft, once you're outside, you know, the top three, four, it's just kind of a crapshoot on what you're going to get. Yeah. I think though, uh, watching those two from here on out, Atlanta, Trey Young better work out. You guys better be 100% sure Trey Young worked out because Luka Doncic, nobody's really seen him, you know, against the competition here. We've just gone up on you know him playing in the second best pro league in the world but he's looked really good over there he won the mvp as an 18 year old he, he seems like he's got it all so they better be 100 percent right on trey young because i think luka Doncic is going to have a fantastic career that said my nba takes have been ice cold recently so yeah i'm probably going to be dead wrong on this <laughs> well, one we, they just probably just got nico miritich and then steph curry on the other exactly end, we'll they, see what happens might, well no i don't think anyone got steph curry in this draft but well, it was an exaggeration i think that, I think that it was i know i was doing I it for that, effect i think that it was obviously a steal by dallas to to get luka for trey young because I, i'll i'll never call anyone a bust before we see him play a game but He's got Trae that Young potential. Just looks, he just looks too slight for me. And, and I know there are some smaller players in the league that, that have success, but I'm I'm wait and see when it comes to Trey Young. I'm also wait and see when it comes to Luka Doncic. I think that a lot of the hype around Luka Doncic is just that. I think it's hype because we don't have an in-depth understanding of him as a player like we do some of these college kids that we've seen play, like like we do some of these guys in the league that we have books on for three, four, five years. I think that Luka Doncic, I think everyone wanted to sound like they knew what they were talking about and jumped on the Luka Doncic train. I think that caused a little bit of overhype when it came to his game. He might be fantastic. He might be the next next Dirk, but I think that's a long shot. I think that he needs to get a lot faster. He needs to get a lot stronger. The only thing that he has on all of these guys is that he's played 80 game seasons for the last three years, because that's usually the biggest learning curve for NBA rookies is getting used to Uh getting the all-star break, feeling like it's over and having another whole half a season in playoffs to play. He's not really going to hit that rookie wall. That's where Luka Doncic is going to have the edge right off the bat is his stamina and his ability to maneuver the travel and what it takes to be an NBA player, because he's already had a form of that much further than a lot of these guys have. When it comes to his game, I think that there still is a ton to be desired when when you're talking about Luka Doncic. And I really think that's what, that's why the Kings went Bagley instead of Doncic at number two is because they saw a higher ceiling with Bagley. Can Doncic be good for a very long time? I think so. But does he have the great ceiling? Does he have the superstar ceiling? I don't know if the Kings saw that in Luka Doncic. Okay, so here's while well, we're going to wrap up the NBA talk here, Joe. I think we don't have one right now, but I think we need to come up with a little bit of a mayor's bet here involving okay. the, the Bulls and Kings seasons next year. Obviously, you're a Bulls fan, but you're very attached to the Kings out there. You cover them. You're a lot closer to them. Uh-huh. I'm more closer to the Bulls. I think we need to set you know an over-under. You know, you're, you're, someone's given somebody so many games, and we, we need to take sides on that, and we'll, we'll figure out the terms and all that. But I think within this next week or, or, you know, after free agency, something like that, once we see the final teams come out, I think we need to come up with some sort of Kings-Bulls mayor's bet. 
You're gonna make me. You're gonna make me root against the Bulls. No, you can reform. You you can reform if you want to. Yeah, just, but then I'd be rooting against myself. Yeah, but it's a mayor's bet. It's just it's like fun. It's like a fun bet. <laughs> so you're gonna. What do I have to do to like come to your city and wear the jersey to a game no, or you, something? Well, usually it's like you know you send some sort of like uh, you know put some, out an official proclamation that no, like January twenty second is Bulls Day. And no, I'll send, I'll send you more like a, like a Lou Malnati's pizza, like some frozen Lou Malnati stuff like that, like a care package from Chicago. Speaking, okay, from you, I get like that. a care package from I don't know what Sacramento does. We um, can do that. Uh, a lot of do craft they have, beers. I do like that. I beers. like beer. Uh, yeah, but in terms of culinaries, I don't know if there's I don't there really a, a regional dish. I can do um, I can do craft beer. You can just send me some in and out. There's some fantastic Mexican food in the Sacramento area. We could send you some. Uh, or we can just do what we usually do and put a round of golf on it. We could. And speaking of which, uh, I still owe bet. you one. Yes, we had the U.S. Open bet. You, yeah, you owe me a, a round of golf. But we had a U.S. Open bet that almost came to fruition for me. Uh, Justin Rose got close there. That would have been a free uh, free dozen Pro V one Xs. Mine didn't Fell make the cut. The back nine. Yours did not make the cut. So that was easy. That was easy watching for me. I, and, uh, I felt a little bit better about it though, just kind of after seeing. Like at first, I just kind of thought Spieth was having a bad week, bad start, and then I kind of saw mm-hmm. what everybody else was doing out there, and it made me yep. feel a little bit better about my pick because it was still Jordan Spieth. But yeah, you almost won, but you didn't. So almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, Joe. All right. Well, we got uh, we got some other golf to talk about later on in the pod. We're going to keep things draft centric here. And Matt, I need you to walk us through the Hawks draft, what they got, what you like, what you don't like. It was an interesting draft. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it was a bad draft because I think uh, the two guys they got are, are more long term type projects. Um, not like a project might not be the right word, but guys who, who aren't going to be up here next year, maybe even the year after, probably two years down the road. Three years mm-hmm. down the road is when you're looking to see um, Adam Boquist and uh, Nicholas Bowden are, are the two defensemen. They, got, they, they, they stuck with the similar formula they've been going with recently, which is kind of the smaller, faster, speedier type, uh, but a lot of high-ceiling talent. Um, the guy they took at eight, Adam Boquist, is a small right-handed defenseman out of Sweden who's high ceiling draws comparisons to Eric Carlson, which is nice to see, but at the same time, it, he's got to get there, and he, he has to develop, yeah. develop, still has a couple years down the road. But I, I was I was very surprised they made both of those picks. I was, I think I said it on the pod, I know I said it in multiple discussions with you know people about the draft coming up, I was pretty certain they were going to move at least one of those picks for, for an NHL-ready something now. And the fact they didn't tells me either prices were way too high you know, that they were willing to pay or that Stan Bowman might have a little bit more of a leash than we're being led on here. Uh, he didn't really go for the, the quick NHL-ready guy who's going to jump and help him this year. And we've been led to believe that you know they're, they're off to a bad start. Who knows what might happen with, with him and Joel. I, I think these two draft picks tell me at least that Stan is, is fairly confident that he has a little bit of time to to get you know his guys up there, get his guys in there, and, and get this thing right. And they, they still have some time in free agency here, uh, coming up July first. I'm, I'm going to uh, told you, Joe, I'm going to try and sit down with Dave Poulin, who uh, who talked to us last year, get uh, get a little bit of an NHL free agency preview going. Big but tease. Big it tease. was it was an interesting NHL draft to say the least. It wasn't the route I think anybody expected the Blackhawks to go. I'm not going to say it's it's not going to work out. It's just one of those drafts that we're probably not going to find out for you know two years. Yeah, these are these are guys that are going to require a little bit of time to uh, see them at uh, at the at the NHL level. But mm-hmm. Matt, I want to focus on the NHL level right now because sure. in years past in sweepstakes past the Hawks, the Bulls, whatever 
Chicago teams have never landed the big name free agent. What are the chances that they land the big name free agent this year? Well, first off, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, because I, I think if you're forgetting about someone named Marion Hosa, who was absolutely the big name free agent who the Hawks landed and then won three Stanley Cups. Sorry. That was in 2007. What have you done for me lately? That was in 2009. That was in 2013. 2009. Um, and yeah, because he was on all three teams. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that let's 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 pump the they, they they weren't after many big name free okay. agents. Okay. What have you done for me this decade? Uh, well, first up, John Tavares is, is the one you're poking at. I, yes. I, I, I'm going to say it's highly unlikely he comes here. Uh, I, I don't think he's out of it. The Hawks are out of it. Um, he said he was only meeting with five teams, but every day it kind of leaks out, well, you know, he's going to meet with these guys, but he'll also talk with these guys. I, I think the Hawks have at least had a chance to talk to him. I don't think he's going to end up coming here. I think he's either going to stay in New York or he's going to go home to Toronto. Uh, I, I think those are the two very likely aspects. Wait, you got you got a lawnmower going there, Joe? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's all right. I just wanted to make sure that's what we had, and you know, there was nothing wrong with the, it. Uh, that's you know the the apartment yeah. complex hey, here. We got great, just, great facilities. Great. Uh, just just checking in, making sure everything's okay and, uh, over there. You're not in any trouble. Mondays are Mondays are landscaping days. So well, that's, today's uh, Tuesday, so that's uh, uh, yep, yep, yep. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. It's got call. a Monday feel. It's got a Monday feel. <laughs> Tuesdays. Fair. Tuesday's uh, Tuesday's landscaping. That's fair. The other big free agent was John Carlson, the defenseman of Washington, who just re-upped over there. For uh, he didn't even get the free agency, didn't take meetings. He's uh, eight years, eight million per. So he's. Stand- I don't think John Tavares is it. I-, I do think the Blackhawks have some shots at kind of the next, you know, couple guys down the line. James Van Riemsdyk is a name I'm sure you've heard. He's he's a multiple time mm-hmm. thirty goal scorer. He's twenty nine. The Hawks have been linked to him just about all off season so far, and they're if, if they don't get him, they'll be major players for him. It's just a matter of. If they can get him to take, you know, a four or five year deal instead of wanting six or seven, but I think mm-hmm. the Hawks should be major players for him, and that's the big name I think that you're, you're going to look for. After John Carlson, the defensive free agent market was fairly thin. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see a, a big splashy signing there, but I think you might see them try and get some guys they see as you know number four types. Uh, might have to overpay to get them, but but some guys maybe some some bigger stay at home type guys to sure up that that blue line, but. I think James Van Riemsdyk is probably the big name to look out for. If you're looking for a bigger, splashier type name, I think that's the one. I, I'm not sure about the trade market anymore because I think their two biggest assets to move were number one or number eight and number 27, and mm-hmm. obviously they use those. So I, I'm not sure where they stand on the trade market now, but we'll see. And then Marion Hosa's contract, I would expect, gets moved somewhere down the line here in the next couple of days, hopefully before July 1st. And now when you're talking about the movement of Hosa's contract, what does that entail? Because he has... He's retired. Correct? So he's re- he no he is actually he's not retired. He will never play again. But if he okay. retired tomorrow or today, whatever, basically the Hawks would be on the hook for a massive you know cap penalty because he didn't finish out his contract. It's gotcha. what the NHL did uh, in the last lockout you know uh, collective bargaining agreement to punish teams like the Hawks who at the time did what was perfectly within the rules and signed these. Big deals, you know, circumventing Back the cap. deals. Yeah, yeah. Or, they, but they did was actually massively front load. So like Hosa was getting it, like pay him. Hosa was getting seven and a half, eight million dollars his first but the, six years but of the, the deal. Cap so, but the cap it was stretched. The be, the be, yeah, because once yeah. he became, once he hit, I think thirty eight years old, or this last year, so thirty nine years old, he started making one million a year. So that's yeah. what they, they they basically did it. So you, yeah, sure, his average cap it was five, but he was actually getting seven point nine for however yeah. many one of those years, but. It was legal at the time. NHL got pissed about it because teams were taking advantage of a legal rule. 
Um, and, now, and, and now they're they're punishing. But now, basically, this is the the NHL set. The president, Chris Pronger, had a very similar deal. He signed with Philadelphia. Now he was mm-hmm. he was technically under contract, I believe, with Arizona still last year, still on their team on long term injured reserve. But he also had a job in the NHL player safety department. <laughs> so so, you would, so yeah, he wasn't technically so retired. What you're doing is. You're trading the rights to Marion yes. Hosa, who will never play. You're, you're for finding something. a team like Arizona or Carolina or, or some team that's not in any danger of hitting the salary cap, and mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we'll give you this second round pick, whatever this prospect you like." If you pick up this contract, you'll take the cap hit, and you have to pay Marion Hosa one million dollars for the next, you know, however many years. And that's uh, most teams will be more than willing to do that if you're giving them some sort of asset they deem valuable. You also have to have one Marion Hosa bobblehead night. That's yeah, the other stipulation. That's, it, that's, that's in Marion Hosa's contract. That was that was actually I thought that was collective bargaining. I thought that huh. the league wrote that one in. I wouldn't be surprised. He deserves it. He deserves every <laughs> bit of it. Well, Matt, uh, thank you for bringing to light some of the uh, the nuances, the details there of. It's nice uh, to get more NHL than contracts. It's nice to get more than a minute of hockey. Talk. Yeah, it, it's a slow week. All right, so don't get don't get crazy. I will say, uh, I, I, oh, I, I wanted to bring this up too. Uh, they, uh-huh. Joel Quenville was on uh, our, our good friend David Kaplan's show yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was a l- little bit worrisome. They asked him about Corey Crawford, and, and he did say he sounded confident saying that he'll be back. But he also said Corey Crawford hadn't skated yet, and he hadn't been on the ice regularly yet. So I, what is going on? There? I don't like, know. I had been always, up until yesterday, I'd always been in the camp of, you know, I'm not worried about it. They're not worried about it. They're not talking much. Whatever. He's going to be fine. I'm, I'm officially concerned. I, yeah, I am officially at the point where I am, I am very, I, I'm concerned that he, he you're telling me he's going to be on the ice. Moved from his initial whatever it is. Nobody knows what it is. Diagnosis. Yeah. Is it still is it still considered is it a head thing is it vertigo concussion no, nobody that... know no, honestly nobody knows the only people that know are him and the, the you know the Blackhawks organization at this point there are rumors that have spun around and I, I'm not going to get into those because we don't know for sure what it is or, or who's got what but nobody knows at this point and the fact that he hasn't you know been on the ice regularly I know there was that stint towards the end of the season where he got back on and then back off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really know. They, they they keep saying they expect him back, and, and Stan said he'd be at the convention and talk, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm officially worried. Yeah, and I think uh, all with good reason we should be because, we've as we've found in the past, doesn't matter who's out in front of him. Uh, we go as Corey goes, and we go as whoever between the net goes, yeah, and that, we saw that in, in plain sight last season. That team was not a Stanley Cup team last year, but I get, if, with a healthy Corey Crawford through 82 You're a playoff games, team. They, if they weren't a playoff team, they were one that was competing to it, you know, down to the wire. They they would not have been a number, you know, pick an eighth in the draft and you know, NHL lottery team. Yeah. Well, Matt, let's uh, let's take a hard left turn here and start talking about something sure. that I have missed dearly. You brought it to my attention two months from today. Yesterday. Two months from yesterday. Two months from yesterday, the NCAA college football season will kick off. And it will be glorious, Matt. So this leads us to our next conversation here. We'll I'm so brief, excited. But, uh, do we have to? Can't we just talk about all well, football? Where is your Where is your excitement focused? Where are you? What are you everywhere? Most, where are you most look? What are you most looking forward to in this coming uh, college football season? Well, on the field or just in general? In, in general, general, I'm What's just your looking. Top storyline. My, my top storyline is me being able to sit on a couch and just watch college football. Well, that's with not two a storyline. For, for me, it's a storyline. That's just called fall. That's not a storyline. I just love it so much. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I will personally. It, it's Notre Dame. It's seeing if if um, Brandon Wimbush can bounce back from the 
terrible end of the season we saw him yep. have. I think he took a lot of solid steps early on in the season and you know was progressing and then Miami and, and afterwards he, he just kinda went in the tank and, and took ten steps back from where he was. So I think that's what I'm looking for. Honestly nationally it's it might be the easy way out. I'm looking to see if, if Tua can be, you know, what he was in the national championship game over mm-hmm. 12, 13 games because he looked great for, for one half football when nobody was able to game plan for him. He looked fantastic, and that was I – mean, there's no taking away from him. But, you know, right now he's going off as the, you know, number three favorite to win the Heisman Trophy next year, having played one half of football. No, nobody's really game – he might I, not I mean, even start. That might still be Jalen Hurts' job. I still think he's going to start. But I hope he does because just watching that half of football, he was he so was fantastic. Electric. He was unbelievable. And everything everything looks better lefty. Everything looks that's, better lefty. I want to watch more lefty quarterbacks. I just I'm a little bit worried about you know teams can now game plan for him. He's not a surprise to anybody. I'm not trying to take away anything from him because he was a top recruit. He was he made some unbelievable throws, some decisions in that, that national championship mm-hmm. game, but. It's completely different doing it over thirteen games compared to one half plus overtime. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that situation. If anyone could get a dual quarterback situation to work, oh, it's, it's Nick, Nick Saban. Saban. Um, they, for as meat and potatoes as that offense is, they are still uh, the best at what they do. It all starts up front. Doesn't matter who you have behind them. When you got the road graders going. Uh, they're going to be right there vying for another national championship. And that, personally, Matt, is my biggest storyline. I'm going to be keeping an eye on this uh, on this top 25, and then once it gets going, the college football playoff rankings very closely because this season, the 2018 college football championship, or whatever they call it, what is it, the college football playoff championship, whatever the yeah, proper it, nomenclature whatever. is. Whatever they're CFP calling these days. finals, yeah. Uh, those are right up the road here in, uh, in in San Francisco or in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium. So can we'll you get a plus one? We'll be covering. Uh, I'll work on it. I can't Just make work any promises, but uh, we'll be covering the, the the title game. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes on the top ten very closely. And uh, God willing, all things going correctly, maybe we get uh, maybe we get the the blue and gold out here and uh, and we'll oh, watch God. a little. Let's not we'll even, Let's not get me down that. <laughs> let's path. Not get, let's, let's not, not get, get me down that path. I'm I'm still getting over the Miami loss. Let's yeah, not was- let's not start hyping me up that they're going to get. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, another, honestly, and one more thing I'm looking forward to here. I, I just opened up the Heisman odds because I was interested in seeing mm-hmm. who's kind of where. I completely forgot Bryce Love is back at Stanford yeah. this year. And yeah. man, if he can stay, I know he wasn't you know totally unhealthy last year, but he missed you know two. I think it was two or three games. Man, if that kid can stay healthy and he's back for another year with that offensive line, with that head coach, kind of knowing how to maximize his ability. I'm so excited to see what Bryce Love can do at Stanford last year because he was the most exciting and electric player in college football last year. And I, I don't think it was all that close. Um, and if he would have been healthy all year, I, I think we would have seen even more, you know, for lack of a better word, electricity and excitement from him. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think there's a better player I love watching. And I do love the fact that he's usually kind of that late game. So it's kind of the Pac-12 after dark where I yeah. don't really have to worry about what else is on. I can just kind of Get tune to in watch and check Bryce out Stanford. Love. I love watching that guy play. I love watching that guy run the fo- run the football. I love watching Stanford play because, like, you, you know, Joe, I like big boy football. Stanford plays <laughs> big boy football. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I think the player that I'm going to have my eyes on closest is probably going to be Jake Fromm out of Georgia. Yeah. I think that he showed a lot of next-level type talent uh, last season as a freshman leading. Uh, 100%. A group of grown men to uh, 
to battling again to be in contention for uh, for a playoff spot. And uh, I think that uh, we're going to be talking about the name Jake Fromm a lot in, in, in the years to come. So I think I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm also uh, going to be keeping my eyes on J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a guy who might be that second tier when, when you're talking about the, uh, the Bryce He's loves, fun to watch. If, if he gets his touches, which he will, um, I think that you might see a, a lot of electricity out of him and out of that Ohio State offense. I'm also going to be excited to see what Trace McSorley is without mm-hmm. his security blanket next to him, without having uh, without having Saquon in the backfield with him. Is Trace McSorley, uh, you know, just, just at that slight stature, once again, I don't know what his future in the league is, but I think this is his year to prove it, that he is a, a truly viable option mm-hmm. at quarterback at the next level or if he was just kind I, of benefiting from saquon exactly yeah. and and i lean towards the latter there yeah but, i uh, well, and I, I know we're just kind of hitting on a lot of the national championship favorites here mm-hmm. one we haven't touched on i'm looking to see what kelly bryant can do at clemson because he, mm-hmm. he had a nice year last year but kind of when the when the rubber met the road and those tougher games toward the end especially against bama i don't know if he wasn't good or if he just kind of shrank in the moment But Clemson, again, has all the talent in the world to go win a national championship game. But they're not going to do it if they can't get serviceable play. They they don't need Deshaun Watson heroics like they did Mm -hmm. the last two with him. Um, But they do need a little bit better play. They have all the talent around them. They have, uh, what's it, Etienne, Travis Etienne at running back. Unbelievable. That defensive line is as good as there's going to be in the country. They need some more consistent quarterback play in those bigger games. If Kelly Bryant can do that, I'm, I'm not sure there's a better team in the country than Clemson. But as he showed last year in the college football playoff, that's a big if. How, and how could we forget, obviously, they're going to be right there, Clemson, again at the end of it, but how could we forget the reigning undefeated national, self-proclaimed national championship champions? Can they go back-to-back UCF? Mackenzie Milton's back, right? Without Scott Frost. Well, I th- that, that might, Mackenzie Milton is back. Well, it, back. well, here's the question: Are they going to do it, or will Scott Frost win his second consecutive undisputed national championship? Uh, I, I know the the roster that he has there at Nebraska this year, and there's a lot of talent. I think uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. is going to be a wide receiver you hear a lot about when you're talking about uh, top wide receivers going into the NFL draft, but. There are still some holes uh, on that uh, offensive line being the being the biggest issue. It's going to take Scott Frost a couple of years to get uh, that roster where he needs it to be to be nationally relevant. But they're going to be a lot better. I think that they're going to pull a couple upsets. I think that they're going to be Big Ten contenders again. But I don't see anything beyond. Uh, I don't see anything beyond the first eight weeks of football, ten weeks of football for for uh, the Huskers this year. But. It's going to be very interesting. They might have a true freshman starting at quarterback. It, there's going to be a lot going on in Lincoln that, that we're going to have to keep our eyes on because they have a whole bevy of uh, junior college transfers, something that the last regime was hesitant to do. Scott Frost came in and said, we need to go get these guys to be competitive right away. So I think it's going to be one of the top receiving cores in the nation. And I think that there's going to be uh, going to be some fireworks on the defensive end, but uh I really think that offensive line is still lacking, and that's what's uh, going to hold back the Huskers. I have missed Joe talking Nebraska football. Let me tell you guys, <laughs> I, I've missed it. Well, well, enjoy it now because once once we get a little bit further removed from my tenure there, I don't know how uh, how in depth the knowledge will be. But we'll Stanley say one, Morgan Junior. Stanley Morgan Junior. is a name to actually watch. He's a fantastic wide receiver and uh, definitely has next level talent. One last thing before we get on the segments here, I, I do have to mention it. I think we need to keep an eye on West Virginia this year. We got a, We got a Fenwick Fryer, true freshman wide receiver tight end 
uh, Michael nice. Laughlin, who's going to be making his debut there, and I think he stands to have, it, has, have a decent shot to uh, to get some tick. So I'm excited to see what Mike can do out at West Virginia. He was, no offense to you, Joe, the uh, mm-hmm. the best wide receiver uh, talent I think I've ever seen come through Fenwick. He was absolutely unbelievable. Had size, had speed. He can get up. He was you know six four, not you know six six foot, Joe, six one. You don't have to compare us directly. The kid oh, got yeah. an offer from West Virginia. Joe, I'm just trying to not uh, offend I, I, you. He's obviously the best wide receiver. To I'm ever just walk through those walls. Well, disp- uh, uh, after uh, the one and only Tim Rooney, I think he might have been the Tim, best. Obviously, yeah, obviously, he's, Tim he, obviously, he, still. You know, you know why it makes sense. Tim Rooney coached Mike Olafson. That's why we got numbers one and two right there. Still at the top of the most <laughs> record books. I, I'm very comfortable with uh, with my legacy that I left. You're number so three. You know, You're number three. You know, am I solid oh, number a lot three? Of, Lot of lot of lot of solid wide receivers coming through that coming through that uh, Fenwick Fryer. If you if you're so number just, three, as long as I'm you know the top left guard, you're the number three. Wide receiver. I'm just just happy to be in that conversation. That's all. <laughs> Let's Matt, move on before you, I keep uh, uh, keep talking here. Yeah, what do I have? Jump into some segments here. You got a grievance for us? Sure. Right, hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So this isn't the most passionate, angry grievance. Uh, it's it's just a little bit more of like, a, we need to take, take a step back and kind of pump the brakes. Joe, you're not as, as close to the Chicago baseball scene as I am, but there's a lot of it's a lot of Yohan Moncada panic, uh, a lot of Yohan Moncada anger. From from the the White Sox fan base calling him a bust, all this, and you know he he, he can't hit while well, he strikes out too much. He's lazy, whatever. I think everybody, all, all Sox fans, need to take a quick step back. The kid's twenty three years old, in his first full season of Major League Baseball, age twenty three. He he's on pace for, if you can believe it or not, the pretty much same exact season that Anthony Rizzo had at age twenty three in his first full season of Major League Baseball, and uh, I think Anthony Rizzo turned out just okay. Um, did, did he turn out all right, Joe? Was, was he good? He, he, he ended up being all right. Just fine? Okay. Yeah. So I, I think the White Sox, myself included, there have been some times where I've seen Moncada make some, some lazier-ish errors in the field or not quite get to a ball he should have, maybe taken it bat into the field with a bat at bat into the field, make an error because of it. That's okay. That's part of growing pains. And if we're seeing this type of stuff, you know, a year, year and a half from now, okay, then we can start. But let's pump the brakes on a guy who is the top? was the top prospect in baseball for a reason. And he, he's playing his first season in a rebuild around a team that's not all that good. He's still learning as well. I just think we need to pump the brakes on him. He's showing flashes. He had six RBIs on Sunday. I, I think he's going to be just fine. And Sox fans need to just pump the brakes on the whole canceling the rebuild, saying it's over when you know we have one or two bad stretches here from our prospects. They're growing pains. It's going to happen. We just saw it on the north side of town. Let's 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 pump the brakes a little bit. So it's not an angry grievance, Joe. It's a so let's get back into lying grievance, yeah. if that's okay. With you. <laughs> I I very much enjoy that because a lot of times when the focus is on player development and it's not on winning baseball games, you get a little hyper aware of what's going on with the player development, mm-hmm. and uh, you start looking at it from a day to day, week to week basis, as opposed to an entire body of work basis. And uh, I think that's. Uh, that is a very wise and sage uh, address that you just gave Thank there you. towards Thank the uh, it's not the, the first treatment. time I've been called wise. <laughs> what about sage? Uh, explain <laughs> it to Matt. Uh, that's Matt, Matt's dictionary. That's, that's, yeah, that's Matt's, Matt's explain it to Matt Word. No, well, you're just I think, you tell I think me. Last week, 
I think last week's was vitriol. It was. Um, you, you didn't even you didn't even ask for a definition on that. I so. I roughly knew what that meant though. Yeah, I mean, um, it's some something to do with being angry. Uh, yes, exactly. Sage has something of, to do with being wise, some some sort of wisdom. Yeah. yeah All right, uh, there you go. I'm close a, enough. You know, experience coming, speaking oh. out of a, a point of experience and um, uh, wisdom. It's a it's a synonym for wisdom. I just I think good, it's it's having tough. good judgment. Thank you. It's it's tough for White Sox fans too because with the exception of Rizzo. We saw all these, you know, basically it seems like every Cubs prospect that came up in this last stretch came up mm-hmm. and was, you know, hitting 300 from the start. Now, they might not all be doing that now, but they mm-hmm. all had ap- absolutely, you know, rocket fast starts their major league careers. And we're just kind of expecting like, oh, that's the norm because that's what we saw happen on the north side. That's not the norm. That yeah. it, it's not by by all means what normally happens. It, it's the goal, but it's pains. not the norm. It's the end game. It's what you're hoping for. But right now, I, I think you need to take the good with the bad. And let's let's try and power through these growing pains because two or three years from now, I think we're going to be excited about seeing something from a special player. Absolutely, Matt. What do you say we jump into some segments? I love segments. You know that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do it. Let's start with a little buy or sell here. Uh, would you like to lead off, or would you like to? I'll start uh, us off. I, okay, I think I can lead us off. Uh, okay. we, we haven't touched Cubs yet this podcast, Joe, so I, I know you're not as in touch with it as I am, but you, you're probably mm-hmm. keeping up a little bit with them. Yeah. Uh, that, that's five in a row after last night they've dropped, uh, including a four-game sweep in Cincinnati. Uh, where mm-hmm. where are you at the Cubs panic level? You, you buy in the Cubs panic that's starting to eke out a little bit here in the city. Uh, I, I'm, I'm selling panic. I, I understand why fans, after – I mean, dropping four straight to the Reds, and now, and now you're playing a Dodgers team that appears to have turned the corner. Um, yeah, talk about a team that's flipped a switch. You don't want to limp this last month into the All-Star break, but at the same time, you're two and a half games back with a lot of baseball to play and a fantastic roster. So if this is rock bottom, if this week, this stretch of however many games are going to lose in a row is rock bottom, it has not dropped you to fourth place in the division, 10 games back, nothing like that. So if you can go through one of these situations, one of these weeks, one of these dry spells like teams tend to do at some point in the season, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to have these struggles. Does it look like this is a team that's going to be able to figure it out? That's where the worry should come from because there are still a lot of question marks and I still think that they're one of the best teams in baseball and that they're going to be fine. So if you can go through these issues right now and still only be two and a half games back of a Milwaukee's brew, a Milwaukee Brewers team that again, I don't know if they have the staying power is similar to last year and a St. Louis team that doesn't look like they have the firepower. You're still the favorite in this division. So go through your, go through your woes, go through your hard times and get the thing turned around when you need to get it turned around. And uh, I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be playoff bound. And I think that they'll be a big player in the NL again. Yeah, I, I think part of this is is coming from us because we're not fans. We're, we're kind of seeing this from the outside looking in. And we're, we're not, you know, living and dying with them every game. But this Cubs fan base more than most has, a, it seems like, has a tendency to live and die with every game a little bit. You know, the expectation the, the, is very high. Yeah, and it's which it should be. It should be yeah. very high. But... It's a 162-game season. You're going to lose four or five in a row at times. It's it's just going to happen. You're going to have tough stretches. Uh, they're still the best team in that division for me. Now, Milwaukee does have the firepower to go out and add a guy like a Jacob deGrom if, if they really do want to, and then I might be getting a little bit like, well, we should probably pick it up here. But I still think even if Milwaukee does go out and get the best pitcher on the market, the Cubs still have, you know, 
all the talent in the world in that lineup. If you look through it one through eight, it's just uh, there's not an easy out throughout yeah. that lineup, especially with Jason and, Hayward hitting. And when you come to playoffs, I, 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 we've said it a couple times. We said it last year. That lineup is so boomer bust and so kind of dependent on the long ball. It seems that that's kind of when the issues come. But in terms of getting to the playoffs, I again, I would be, I would not bet against the Cubs winning this division, getting to the playoffs. I just, I, I, I like Milwaukee. I think they're taking positive steps. They're just not on the Cubs level yet. It, the Cubs control their own destiny, in my opinion. I think I totally agree. And and not only the boomer bust of the offense, but the the production from the pitching staff. Uh, you at least have your ace going. You have John Lester at nine and two with a two one ERA. He's been fantastic. It looks like it's going to be another twenty win season for him, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Jose Quintana maybe hasn't panned out to what you thought he would after that trade, and he's he's still striking out people at a pretty reasonable clip, but the ERA is not where you want it. If you can get him to come around, if you can get Kyle Hendricks to wake up, then, then you're talking. I mean, their playoff odds really, for me, rest on, rest on you Darvish for the most part. Cause it, it, John Lester in the playoffs, I'm, and that's, I'm well, not that's worried about question, I'll never be worried no. about John Lester in the playoffs. Kyle Hendricks come playoff time. will be, he hasn't been great this year. He also hasn't been awful by any means. He just hasn't been the, you know, too low two ERA guy he was That's last year. That's always been the knock on you, Darvish, though. You do, yeah. You Darvish needs to come when the pressure, when the bright, lights are on brightest. He has not always done all that great. I know he mm-hmm. pitched well against the Cubs last year, but he also pitched well. I think it was in Game Three with a with a two zero lead and kind of not all that much pressure on him. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see, but that they they need him to come back and kind of be. No, no offense to John Lester. You Darvish needs to come back and be the best pitcher in that rotation because that's what they signed him to be. And as much as I team. love John Lester, I'm not sure a 34 year old John Lester is going to be, you know, a 2.10 ERA guy throughout all 162. And so, I'm and I'm sure that John Lester would love to be the number two. I'm he sure would that love he would to love have that, that help. There, I'm sure you know? he, he never admit it, but I, he would love to have a little bit more help yeah. atop the rotation, a little bit more of a consistent presence of not having to go out and be dominant every five days and you'll have a little bit more, I guess, insurance. So with all of that said, I sell on the, uh, on the uproar, on, yeah, the, it, on the panic. They'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you when to panic. How about that? Sounds good. Matt, buy or sell. Sure. Next year's NBA Rookie of the Year. We obviously saw Ben Simmons win it last night at the NBA Awards. Buy or sell next year's NBA Rookie of the Year coming out of the top five picks. I am going to buy it. Um, I, I know you're not terribly high on him. I, I think uh, I think Luka Doncic has the most potential to go out and win that rookie of the year. I think he's in a really good situation in Dallas. I think he's got some help around there, uh, and I think he's the type of player that is going to be in a position to put up you know bigger numbers and, and be more of a focal point in an offense than kind of the it be be the sexier part of an offense. I guess if that makes sense, than kind of a big mm-hmm. man down low. And I, I just I think he's in a great spot. I, I again I haven't seen him play basketball other than kind of film and you know what people have shown on TV, but uh, I think he's got got some potential to be you know be a superstar, but also be a superstar in the way you know a ball dominant superstar, not one that is relying on others to get the ball to him. I like it, so um, I will buy it. I'll take the field then. In that case, uh, you'll take under. You'll six and six and under. Well, the odds are I'll with take- you. I'll take six and under, okay. or six and over. I hope you're right, because I hope you're right, because then, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> that brings Wendell into it. Yeah. I hope you're right. Um, 
Matt, we will uh, we'll get to it in a little bit. But how about Wendell's uh, Wendell's draft day get up? Oh, there. we'll uh, get to it. We'll the, get to the, it. The Gucci Wakanda. That was, was, was a something. lot going on there. It was a lot, something. lot going on there. Why don't you hit me with the buy or sell? It, this was pretty simple, Joe. It, especially without USA and Italy with it, without a dog in the fight, you, you buying or selling what you've seen from the World Cup. I'm absolutely buying it. It's been fantastic. It has been heart-pounding action. Have I sat down and watched a full 90? No, but I tend to turn it on in, in the key moments. And I, I've watched a half here. I've watched a half there as I you know, get my morning going and whatnot. But it's been fantastic. Today was the first 0-0 draw between France and uh, oh, I forget who they, who they played. But there's been scoring. There's been burn. good scoring. There's been scoring in big moments. Uh, the Germany goal the other night. That was something. Uh, in the 95th, that was a fantastic set piece. Mexico uh, upsetting Germany in the first round. The, the defending champions. Um, you got uh, you got Spain coming through in the 94th of the 93rd yesterday with a little back heel. So the drama's been there. And we're talking about pool play right now. This isn't necessarily – this isn't – the biggest of moments mm-hmm. quite yet. Obviously, it, you got to get through pool of play to be in those big moments, but it's been heart pounding. These teams, it, it seems like, I mean, I don't know much about international soccer, but it seems like it's an even match no matter who's out there. There's been a, a lot of pairs. There haven't really been there. many blowouts. It's not like, yeah, it's not like the Germans are head and shoulders better than everyone and they're playing that through the air ball and they're heading 10 goals a game to the back of the net. It's, it's been a lot, uh, it's been a lot tighter contested and I don't know much about these teams, but like you get a, an Uruguay team out there that's, that's fighting with other teams. You get a Russia team that's fighting with other teams. Mexico looks good this year. So uh, I've bought into it big time and I'm going to be, I'm going to be glued to it down the stretch. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with everything you said, but at the same time, I still miss, you know, I know the USA wasn't going to win the World Cup. They might not have even advanced from whatever group they would have made if they were in it. But I, I miss kind of that feeling of actually getting excited and, like, having a team to root for. So mm-hmm. I, there is definitely something missing for me this year. Don't get me wrong. I still you like You just miss in. being able to, like, start drinking at 7 in the morning because I didn't US even do that. soccer. That's too That's early. That's too well, early. Then you, weren't, you, weren't watching, you weren't watching World Cup soccer properly then. I, I guess. Where was right. it four years ago? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Brazil um, was it in Rio? Was it? I think it was Just Rio. Trying, trying to see if my timeline works out. Yeah, but, pretty uh, sure it was Rio because it, 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 it wasn't too. Uh, it wasn't too far off our uh, our. No, time Rio was the Olympics. Rio was the Olympics. Okay, uh, Russia was the the Olympics in 2014. What does that have to do with the World Cup? I just thought maybe you were recalling something improperly. Matt, buy or sell. <laughs> Way to get buy yourself out of sell. that. <laughs> Matt, buy or sell. Obviously, the body issue comes out. Always uh, interesting to see who's in there. Prince Field, there's still my buy, my uh, my, my body issue Hall of Fame there. That was, that was good stuff. But uh, buy or sell Greg Norman's naked 63-year-old body all over ESPN's front page. I don't need to see it on the front page. I really don't. <laughs> with the hat on. With the shark hat I mean, on. if you're going to do it, do it with the hat do on. It with you the got hat. to. You got to do it with the hat. I just... I didn't need to see it, I guess. I, oh, opened, I opened up ESPN.com right before the podcast to look up something else, and mm-hmm. you know there was there was Greg Norman staring right back at me. It was a little With bit... that um, grin on his face. Yeah, it was that, a little like, I don't know what's going on there. I would have... Hey. You know, I'm sure there were some other athletes who I would have rather seen on that well, cover. You got, but you got Saquon in there. You got a couple other. You got uh, some Olympic athletes. Yeah, uh, e- ESPN was doing like a, a quick like video package, but no pun intended, behind the uh, behind <laughs> the scenes of the body issue. Um, <laughs> and it was Saquon Barkley 
naked doing Russian twists. And it was Got like, it. why are you showing this to me? Get this off. Got it. That's, uh, that's you know, what you really want to see out of uh, out of your first overall pick if you're the Giants. Yeah. So. A, a nude Saquon Barkley doing Russian twists. So I'm, I'm glad all of those guys are proud of their bodies. I just, I, if I, I don't really need to see it. You didn't answer my question, though. Buy or sell? Sell. You're selling. Very so, hard. Okay. Very, uh, I mean, very much so. If I could look like that at 63, though. I'm not I saying know. I wouldn't love to look like that I at 63. I just don't I need to see buying. it. I, that's not, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the, the, the question wasn't, do you want to look like Greg Norman does at 63? The question was, buy or sell seeing him on the cover. And I'm selling it hard. I don't need to see it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, that concludes buy or sell this week with a with a nude Greg Norman. And if you there's no it, there's no better way to wrap up it. buy or sell. Now, can we move on to uh, the mailbag, which I believe involves yeah, clothed little, people? Hit a little mailbag, a little sartorial mailbag. You gonna you gonna bring us the mailbag here, man? I can bring us the. I just kind of wanted to pull up the tweet. Oh, so I was supposed to fill dead air here. I'm looking at ESPN body issue pictures. Oh, right well, now, that's so. that's why. Uh, it comes I'm, from I'm our distracted. good our good friend Chris Sims. Okay. Uh, who also, the by the way, just uh, started his own uh, Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, I know we're a big Very Game nice. of Thrones podcast called Deep Thrones. If you're if you're a Game of Thrones fan, check that out on SoundCloud. You um, have to have us on to do a little crossover with two people who know nothing about Game I, of Thrones. I, you know, we're we're Team White Walker. We, someone's <laughs> got to talk about being Team White Walker. Um, but Chris, Chris wanted us to break down when we, when I say us, it's pretty much you because who cares about what I think, uh, okay. the, the fashion from not only the NBA awards, but also the, the NBA draft. So Joe, without further ado, you can set me up whenever I can maybe talk about one or two people, but tell okay. me what you liked. You didn't like from last night, the night before uh, that was it, Tuesday night, Wednesday, night, whatever from the draft yeah, and the I, awards. I think that, uh, you know, experience really shined through here. Sure. I thought we saw, oh, yeah. I thought we saw our best stuff at the, uh, at the awards rather yeah. than the draft, you know, a lot of 19 year olds trying some stuff, some guys with JC Penny sponsorships. You no didn't like really, Trey Young's shorts? No one. That was terrible. Uh, Thank but you. no one, no one had the Carl Anthony Towns really standout moment at the draft. Mm. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay focused here on the, on the NBA awards last night. My okay. best dressed of the night was not a basketball player. Ooh, My best dress of the night goes to Anthony Anderson. Oh, and okay, aside no. from him coming out in the shorts for the monologue to take a shot at LeBron or whatever, this and that, um, he looked great from that point on. He rocked the turtleneck look with a beige uh, tuxedo. That was nice. Then he came out in, the, in his marquee look, which was this red dinner jacket with the classic tux pants. And I did see Anthony that Anderson, I liked that. Everything, yeah, everything he wore last night looked fantastic. I do have a couple of honorable mentions that were players, P.J. Tucker, going with the double-breasted, soft-shoulder, very very Italian look. Uh, It was a red double-breasted suit with no shirt on under. No shirt, just a bunch of chains. Bull. It was – it was yeah. It was fashion meets meets something else. It was it was really good stuff. I also liked Javel McGee's look. He had a classic, uh, nice uh, nice suit on, very very nicely tailored, showing a little bit of ankle and uh, rocked instead of the tie, he rocked a fully buttoned up with the chain. You know the nice the oh, nice sure. diamond chain there, sure. which was oh, nice. Yeah. A nice touch. Uh, those were my honorable mentions. My worst dressed of the night was Swaggy P, and I usually support Swaggy and You're all You're a big Swaggy P fan. Yeah, you love Swag. The, the, uh, now referred to as the swag champ. He wants oh, to be referred okay. to as the swag champ. Well, he is a so, champ. Uh, swag champ last night came in a fishnet long sleeve oh, uh, top with, with leather pants that didn't appear to fit that well. So he went a little off the deep end last night for me. Well, uh, we all did do. Not, did not enjoy the look, but my best dressed 
Anthony Anderson. Check out uh, Victor Oladipo's look was pretty strong too. If you're if you're trying to get on the wild side of things, a um, lot of lot of solid fits last night at the NBA Awards. It uh, the NBA has a, a history, as they said during the awards, of you know setting fashion trends, and these guys definitely out in front of it. One guy I didn't mention that just was kept it classy. Nice French blue suit, nice tie. Joel Embiid looked great last night. Didn't get too crazy. If you're uh, going for a little bit more of the classic look, that was my other honorable mention. So two people I did see. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I, it's something I could never pull off and wouldn't dare try. I actually think you might be able to pull it off, though. I, I like the the hot pink sport coat from Rudy Gobert. I thought he pulled that off pretty well. It was too bubblegum for me. The shade of pink was wrong. I liked where his head was at. I, I, I liked where his head was I, at. I, that's that's a, a good way to put it. bubblegum. I didn't me. mind it. I, I think he pulled it off well. And I, Again, Joe, I think you could pull it off. I really do. I think if you uh, wanted you. to, a similar that. color. Your um, belief in me means everything. But and then this, I, I would have loved to see Rudy in person. Like a seven footer in that suit would have been hilarious. That would that be a lot of pink. <laughs> and then uh, my, my other best dress. I want to thank you for introducing me to. I wouldn't have seen it mm-hmm. had you not favorited the tweet, Joe. Was uh, was oh. reporter Taylor Rooks? I thought she looked, she looked fantastic last night. The red dress evening gown. I don't know what they call it. Uh, that, that tweet you favored. She looked fantastic. Look, so that, that's saying, my number one tweet. Best I favored. Are you trying to put me on blast right now? No, you my favorited. A, might listen to this podcast. So you favorited a tweet. She What's wrong with that? Um, yeah, she, she was looked, definitely female best dressed. Uh, you appreciated the dress she no was. Doubt. You appreciated the dress she was wearing. Nothing more. hundred percent. We're going to move on from here uh, <laughs> swiftly, quickly, and uh, and with with purpose. Matt, Fair enough. Uh, you got anything else for the people? Before, no, I think um, with, that, I that, <laughs> with that, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you send us into episode sixty-three. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down! Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Matt, I just want to uh, extend an olive branch here to the Bears faithful. Uh, yeah, you're, you're included. You're cool. included in this. But uh, to shut us down today, I just want to bring to light and, and note that uh, the NFL's top 100 players of 2017 finally concluded with Tom Brady coming in at number one. Behind him at number two was Von Miller, followed by Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Khalil Mack rounding out the top five. So those are your top five players, but uh, you can get all the way to player number 100 and you won't see one gosh darn Chicago Bear. Not a single Bear made the 2017 top 100 players, which I find hard to believe. One, but two, I think that that should be posted up as bulletin board material for the team this entire season. Not that we want these players thinking of themselves as individuals, but the individual efforts uh, committing themselves to a whole effort is very important. And I think there are some fantastic talents on this Bears roster that need to show out this next season that need to be in that top 100. I think that there are a couple top 50 players in the league, potential top 50 players in the league on that defensive line. I want to see a lot out of those guys this next season. And I want to see a few Bears in that top 100 come this time next year. That's my final thought. Had to get some Bears into the podcast. And I hope the, that uh, I hope that these guys took note of, uh, of the full snub when it comes to the top 100 this year. The fact that there is a two time two-year player who has rushed for a thousand yards both years and i think he's been number what two his rookie year he was second behind zeke in all of the nfl and i think last year was top five so that means he's got to be you know probably in the last two years the second or third most rushing yards in all of the nfl the fact that jordan howard is not in the top 100 i know running backs aren't valued like they used to be yeah that's absolutely ridiculous and i know it's also a product of being on a bad team True, you get like, this team above 500, that, that man gets a lot more. That's true. And I, I know this doesn't matter at all, but I, Madden has started kind of releasing some of their ratings and all that ratings, stuff. Yeah. 
and I saw somebody's tweet that like Derrick Henry was rated an 89 or something and Jordan Howard is like an 84 overall and that was to me like it, again it's a Madden rating so it doesn't mean anything but just the lack of awareness I guess around the NFL and you've said this because like, you made a good point because they're playing for a bad team but of how dynamic and good and valuable Jordan Howard was to this group the last two years is vastly underrated so I, I look for a guy like him especially one who's been you know lightly rumored to have been maybe moved because he might quote unquote not fit in the system I, I, I hope to see him have a very motivated and inspired year and uh, hopefully big things to come from him in, in a Bears uniform next year all 100 players in the top 100 it's going to be the Bears players times two everyone's going to get put on there twice except four guys or two guys 52 man roster yeah, yeah. 50, 53 man roster so 50, top 53 will be Bears yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Looking forward to it. Matt, uh, I appreciate it as always. That'll do it for episode 62 of the Moose and Roots podcast. As always, send us those mailbag questions of fashion, food, and otherwise. We love them. Uh, that, that's definitely going to carry us over in a couple of these slower weeks, but we will absolutely see you next Tuesday here for episode 63 of the Moose and Roots podcast. And keep a lookout in between for uh, 62.5 possibly coming your way with Dave Pouillon and Matt Rooney talking a little bit of NHL free agency, what the Hawks can expect and what it's going to take to get these Hawks back into the winner's circle, back into the good graces, back hanging banners. Matt's going to break it all down with Dave Pouillon. Matt, we appreciate you. We appreciate the listeners. That's going to do it for episode 62 of the Moose and Rooms podcast. We will talk to you all soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.